0: Hi everyone and welcome to behind the numbers my name is dave bookbinder and this is the show that digs deeper to understand what matters most in business so today we're going to be talking about the topic of positive psychology which is basically the idea that we're going to be reframing negativity negativity into something that's more optimistic and who better to talk to about that topic than mike duffy who is the founder and ceo of happiness wealth management the founder of the happiness hall of fame he's the author of five books and he's also a tedx speaker mike welcome to behind the numbers
1: Dave, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And I am happy to have you here, pun intended. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and then we'll jump in.
1: Sure. So about 10 years ago, I decided because of the fact there was so much bad news that I would be the antidote to that bad news, that I would form a happiness hall of fame to recognize, celebrate and encourage people and organizations that make other people happy. So in the hall is Muhammad Ali, Deepak Chopra, Dali Parton, Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, the Wounded Warrior Project, Make-A-Wish, on and on and on. Great people who bring great things to the world.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Can't wait to get into that. But And, and you alluded to the idea of how you founded the Happiness Hall of Fame, which we're going to get to. But I want to try to understand and have you share... How happiness became your mission? Maybe spend a few minutes on that. I mean, was there an aha moment that made you think about this? Had it been building inside you? What, what triggered it and how did it become your mission?
1: Sure. You know, there was a couple of things. You know, one of the things is as a wealth manager, I must stick my head into the lion's mouth of bad news every moment of the day so that I can position clients' portfolios to be in the best place possible based on the circumstances of the day. So I can't escape it. I cannot turn off the news. I'm a news junkie anyway, but exposure to that kind of bad news uh, can take a toll on you. Uh, you know, I have a degree in psychology and I thought, you know what, it's, it's time to break that cycle and to show just how good life can be, how beautiful life is.
0: Yeah. You might, Mike, let's talk a little bit about the wealth management practice. So Help connect the dots between your your so-called day job as a wealth manager and this mission of creating, spreading uh, the awareness of happiness.
1: Sure. So I'm a financial planner. I'll be celebrating 30 years of helping people make the most of their money in November. And as a financial planner, we sit down, and what we're trying to get to is folks' goals. But when I left Merrill Lynch close to four years ago, I decided to focus on people's happiness as it relates to their money. So the first question that I ask my clients or new clients is, what makes you happy and how can we get more of that? Let's set up a happiness goal. Let's put that into the plan to make sure that we're using your money to an extent that makes you happy. So that's why I started Happiness Wealth Management.
0: Nice, and are you finding that you are attracting a different form of clientele, if you will, than uh, your your former gig?
1: You know, I wouldn't say that I'm attracting a different form, but what we're doing inside the practice is doing something different, and people really like that. You know, it has been shown scientifically that when you give, it makes you happy, And a lot of folks don't have a plan for giving and a tax strategy for giving. There's two ways to give. You can give in a way that doesn't make tax sense. And you can give in a way, like, for example, taking taking stock, let's say, with a high cost basis. And instead of selling it to generate money to give, put that into a donor advised fund. Let's say you've got $10,000 worth of gains. You put that into a donor advised fund, you don't have to pay tax on that, and now you, you have more money to give as opposed to just selling it, paying the tax and giving. So, you know, there's a, that's, I focus on a lot of tax strategies that are tax efficient in terms of investing.
0: Right. So I get it now about the idea of of creating the goal of happiness as opposed to a a physical goal of, say, purchasing a house or a boat, et cetera, or retirement even. But does the happiness theme impact where and and what you invest in?
1: You know, there is uh, ESG has become really big in the last decade. So, you know, sometimes folks say, I don't want to invest in tobacco stocks. So we can screen out whatever they don't want to invest in, whatever that might be. And that also makes people happy, knowing that their money isn't going towards companies that clash with their values.
0: Yeah, ESG. That's uh, Environmental, Social, and Governance, for those not familiar with the acronym. So I uh, I imagine that as a wealth manager that you probably have a formula that you might use to correlate happiness or identify happiness. I think actually in, in looking at some of the other conversations you've had online, you refer to it as the happiness formula. Am I right, Mike?
1: That's right. So what I would encourage everybody right now is to write down these three letters on your phone or on a piece of paper if you can. It's P plus P equals H. That stands for purpose plus progress equals happiness. You see, Dave, there's two kinds of happiness. There's hedonic happiness, that's the short-term fix you get from buying yourself something or taking an expensive vacation. And then there's eudaimonic happiness. Eudaimonic happiness is the happiness that you get from being good to other people, right? A thousand years ago, St. Augustine said it is in giving that we receive. So you wanna write down your purposes in life and we all have multiple purposes. When I did this exercise 10 years ago, I wrote down under purpose, be a good husband to my wife, be a great dad to my kids and be the best financial advisor to my clients. And then under progress, I wrote steps like every Saturday night is date night because I learned a long time ago that it's cheaper to hire a babysitter than it is a divorce attorney, (laughs) right? And then under uh, be a great dad to my kids, coach them in everything that they do. My daughter just got into varsity golf. She's a junior in high school here, and uh, we're celebrating. It's it's a big deal.
0: Awesome. Mike, for folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more about you or how they might be able to work with you, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out?
1: Well, if you've got questions about managing your money, you can go to happinesswealthmanagement.com. If you'd like to see wonderful videos of people who've been inducted into the hall and all the wisdom that they bring, and we have this every year at Stanford University, they can go to happinesshalloffame.com.
0: Excellent. And we're going to talk about the Happiness Hall of Fame after our commercial break. We've got about uh, three or four minutes to go in this first segment, Mike. But I, I do want to help to, we'll call it quantify, uh, the ROI of happiness, if you will. So with positive psychology, uh, I know enough to be dangerous, but I, I have read and heard that we're in a better frame of mind. In other words, we're smarter when we're, when we're happier. But what's been your experience that you might be able to share and what the return on happiness is, if you might?
1: Sure. Well, there was a Princeton study that said that if you are a family of four and you make $70,000, you're as happy as Warren Buffett. Right. So you, you have to obviously every day you have to ignore the negativity that goes in your head. You can't stop, you know, the bad thoughts that you get, but you can't ignore them. Right. So that's number one. Number two, you have to get straight with your money right? You have to, you have to uh, save money, right? Spend less than you make, and you have to set aside an emergency fund of six to 12 months, and then you want to set aside money for your retirement. One day, you're not going to be able to work, or maybe you don't want to work, right? And also, I have found over the years that when people save and invest and the money grows, it makes them happier. So make sure that you have a plan to save and invest,
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, One more quick one before we bounce here, because I I know that you've talked about this in other conversations, about how to have the life that you want. And maybe it's connected to money. Maybe it's connected to the purpose. But in maybe two minutes, can you summarize for uh, the rest of this segment how folks can achieve that goal?
1: Sure. So that's why the P plus P plus H exercise is so important. All of us have desires in our heart. All of us want to do something that maybe we're not doing right now. Now, it doesn't have to be as massive as quitting your job and then doing that thing you always wanted to do. You can take steps, right? You can take baby steps onto the career that you wanted to do, onto maybe the place where you've always wanted to live, but it comes with planning, right? Benjamin Franklin said that 1% of people are successful because only 1% of people write down their goals, So I really stress to folks, write down your goals. So we're in August right now. Write down what you want to accomplish by the end of the year in terms of the goals that you want to have, both short and long term.
0: Gotcha. Mike, that's a great spot for us to take a quick pause. Don't go anywhere. And you watching and listening, we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick commercial break. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Mike Duffy, who is the CEO of Happiness Wealth Management, among other things, and also the founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame. Mike, welcome back for round two here on Behind the Numbers. I want to it's talk, great to be here, Dave. I want to talk to you about the Happiness Hall of Fame. Um, I got to tell you, you know, as a sports fan, I totally get Sports Hall of Fame, Music Fan, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I had no idea about the Happiness Hall of Fame, but when I started to do some homework on you, I thought this was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what it is and what inspired you to, to create it.
1: Sure. So, you know, I have been obsessed with happiness since I was 17 years old. And I have a degree in psychology. And, you know, some people are really into cars or whatever your passion is. And I've always had this unbelievable fascination with human behavior so i'm always reading books on success on resilience and there are amazing people out there for example dr wayne dyer who passed away um, and i was supposed to give wayne uh i was supposed to induct him in uh in phoenix and uh i had spoken to him before And uh, he passed away a week before I was supposed to give it to him of a heart attack. Um, So, you know, it really impressed on me that life is short and that the people out there that are making a difference really need to be recognized, you know, so every year at Stanford university at the faculty club, we have a big party and uh, you know, we get to recognize these people. So for example, San Francisco Giants came out one year, and they brought their three World Series trophies. And they talked about not only, of course, they make people happy when they play, but what they do inside of the community that they serve. And Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity are in the hall. And I, I when I inducted them, I went to the convent up in San Francisco, and I brought two dozen cupcakes and I gave it to the mother superior, and she says, oh, thank you. Our friends on the street will love this. Okay. And that statement changed my life. I started looking at homeless people not as people that are down and out of luck, but my friends. And then it started the Happiness Hall of Fame Homeless Outreach. And what I did was I connected the dots. So I had been visiting with a gentleman on the street, a young man who was born without the ability to stand, a guy named Zach, and he would have to drag himself by the knuckles in order to move forward. Hmm. And I said, Zach, what are the desires of your heart? What is your dream? And he said, Mike, I would love to meet the players of the San Francisco Giants. So I called up the San Francisco Giants and I'd already now had a relationship with them. And I said, can you make a young man's dream come true? He's homeless, they said, absolutely. And as I was wheeling him out onto the field, because they let us come during batting practice, he said to me, Mike, this is the greatest day of my life. Huh. And I said, Zach, this is one of the greatest days of my life. So we use the hall to help homeless people. And in life, Dave, I'm sure you know that good leads to good and you can leverage relationships for the greater good. So that's what we do at the Happiness Hall of Fame.
0: That's a fantastic story, and I thank you for sharing that. Um, With all of the uh, notorious, if you will, uh, inductees into the Happiness Hall of Fame, I know you've had many conversations with them. Are there any particular conversations where there's been some nuggets of wisdom um, that you might be able to share with our audience to help them gain some perspective?
1: Absolutely. So, look, we're in very uncertain times, there's a lot of anxiety. And uh, one of the latest inductees, Hale Irwin, uh, who was I saw ranked as the 25th greatest golfer of all time, he's in the hall. He called me up. Now, golf is about 550 years old. So imagine football being that old and you're ranked the 25th greatest golfer of all time. And I said, Hale, you've won the U.S. Open three times. You're the oldest man to win the U.S. Open at 45. You won Ryder Cups older than that. I said, how is it that you can just put aside all the pressure that is on you, all the cameras, the world watching you, and focus and perform at the highest level? And he said, Mike, let me tell you a story. When I was about to win my first U.S. Open back in the 70s, all of a sudden, I thought I was having a heart attack Now it turned out to be a panic attack, but back then we didn't know what those were. So my heart is beating out of my chest and I look to the left sideline and I look to the right sideline and I was deciding where I was going to disappear into the crowd and lay down. I was on the 17th hole. It was at this point I realized that I could actually win the U.S. Open. All of my dreams are now going to come true all of the money and the success and everything I've been working for my whole life. And yet here I am crippled. I can't move. I'm about to collapse and a voice came inside my head and it was my father. And my father's voice said, Hale, I told you that you finish everything that you start. And all of a sudden that snapped me back into reality. And I said, okay, dad. And I kept it together and I won the U.S. Open. So when you are facing difficult times, when it seems like the whole world is against you, prepare for that. Plan for peace. Have something in your head that you can fall back on. When that happens to me, I fall back on purpose. What are the purposes of my life? And I steel myself to those purposes.
0: Great story. Mike, for folks who want to learn more about you, how can they find you?
1: Well, you can go to happinesswealthmanagement.com, or you can go to, if you'd like to have a corporate speaker come out, I speak all around the world, you can go to speaks.com.
0: Yeah, and if anybody wants to get a preview of what that might look like or feel like, uh, you've got a TEDx talk out there that's uh, not only inspiring, but actually really funny as well.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Sure thing. I did watch it beginning to end, and it's a very cool talk. Be be sure to check it out, folks. Mike, you're also, among other things, the author of five books. Tell us about them.
1: Well, the reason why I wrote books is because after an entire lifetime of compiling all of these statistics, you know, going back to ancient texts on how to live your life the right way, how to have a successful life, I realized that if I were to pass away, all of this knowledge would go away with me. And my children, you know, my mom passed away at 17. It's actually one of the reasons why I became obsessed with happiness. Wouldn't have anything to to have of me. So basically, my books are a love letter to my children. They are manuals on all that I have learned throughout my years, uh, on all the people that I've met you know, like Tony Robbins, who's got a great line that relationships are a place you go to give and not a place you go to take. I think that would help our 50% divorce rate if, if married people understood that. Uh, so, so that's where the books came from.
0: Yeah. So just springboarding from there. Um, uh- A lot of folks in the audience are parents. Uh, I don't know how many kids listen to this program or watch this program, but what lessons can you offer the parents in terms of translating this this happiness principle to their
1: children? Three letters: P L K. Patience, love, and kindness. Look, I know what you're going through. I see you. I understand how frustrating it can be. You love your children and yet they don't care sometimes they just want what they want even if it's going to harm them but you have to understand they just don't know any better so whenever you're around them remember patience love and kindness this too shall pass right look my daughter's 16 now she doesn't throw tantrums anymore you know it gets better that's what i have to say to the parents out there it gets better and the more you spend time with them, the more love you pour into them, the better the relationship that you will have with them. You know, it's, I love to golf. My daughter and I are COVID golfers. I hated golf up until a year and a half ago. And now she'll say to me, Dad, when are we going golfing? And we have beautiful times on the golf course. So try to find things that you both like, that you both can enjoy.
0: Yeah, good advice, and uh, speaking from personal experience, you may need to get a tattoo on your hand with PLK on it, uh, so that you can be reminded of that in those <laughs> moments where you want to throttle That's them. A good idea. Uh, <laughs> Mike, we've got about uh, three or four minutes to go here, but I want to continue to get some uh, practical, actionable advice from you, again, for folks watching and listening, on how to take this mindset into their everyday work environment, where they're facing stresses, uncertainties, and maybe you know the, the lack of a positive environment.
1: Sure. So... Every company, if we're talking about work now, every company can be more efficient and can be more creative. I love the story of the Bubble Wrap company. In the late 50s, the founders of Bubble Wrap took two sheets of plastic, ran it through a heating element, and what came out was what we know as Bubble Wrap. Well, when it came out, they were like, this is the greatest wallpaper we've ever seen. Everybody needs this wallpaper. We're going to spend the next two or three years Going into Manhattan, they were from New Jersey, and we're going to go to all the wallpaper companies and we're going to tell them just how great this is and how everybody needs this wallpaper. Well, you can imagine, all you have to do is pop the wallpaper, and it's useless, right? So you want to talk about a bad idea, but you can always reinvent yourself and you can always reinvent your companies. Companies are starving for new ideas, so. In the early 60s, one of the inventors was reading the New York Times, and it it was an interview with IBM, and they were saying how their latest computer, when they would ship out and go across the country, by the time it got there, it would be broken, they would ship it back, and then they would fix it, they'd ship it back, it'd be broken. So, you know, one of the inventors says, wait a second, you know what, we can use this bubble wrap in order to protect these computers they were wrapping the computers in newspaper okay so he marched into the office got past the secretary and said you need my products they gave them a shot and now bubble wrap is a fortune 500 company what ideas do you have in your company that can revolutionize it that can get you a promotion
0: good stuff mike i'm going to sneak one more in here 60 seconds all right you're on the clock the, uh, the attitude of gratitude, uh, I hear a lot about it being one of the highest vibrational frequencies. Talk about gratitude in terms of this happiness formula.
1: You know what? You have to be grateful for something. When you are in a place of gratitude, you will succeed. Be grateful that you are the author of the story of your life. Make sure that that story is one of amazing adventure, generous giving, noble purpose, Massive action, a legacy of kindness filled with love, incredible joy, and happiness. You can do this. Change your life. Just change your thoughts. Choose thoughts of happiness.
0: Mike, I can't thank you enough for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. It's been a pleasure.
1: Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Folks, we've been talking with Mike Duffy today, who is the founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame. Uh, Be sure to check him out online, as he mentioned. Uh, My name is Dave Bookbinder. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And thank you again for watching and listening. We can't do this program without your support. So from everyone here at RVN TV, we thank you. I will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.